Hello and welcome to a special Valentine's Day edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Horace, and I'm back with your guy, Ramiz, as we jump into a massive 12-game slate on this uh, Valentine's Day over here. Lots to be able to go ahead and get into. So for those who uh, aren't necessarily dealing with love otherwise, I'm sure you love balls. You'll get a lot of games to be able to go ahead and enjoy on a night where there is really just so many different ways to go. A bunch of these teams that are going to already be playing on the uh, on the Tuesday night leading into that uh, big Wednesday slate. So a lot of back-to-backs to keep yourself aware of too and obviously keep yourself up to date as far as the injury report is concerned and uh, where else to do that better than on the sports ethos dfs pass get yourself subscribed if you haven't already keep yourself in the know with all that's going on not only in terms of the injuries but getting your ups your up-to-date information with the dfs deliveries that are just excellent pieces of content to give you a little bit more context on some of the picks you might be taking on a given night of course you get access to our discord so you can ask the pros all the way up until lineup lock just what is going to be some of the right things to consider when you are building up your pillar plays for this night but uh ramiz valentine's day Long 12-game slate. What are you going to be doing on this Wednesday evening? You're going to lock your lineups in and, and go chill out? Got any plans? How are things on your end? Uh, I think the plan is probably just to, to, to actually just say what you mentioned earlier on, just, just watch some basketball, I guess. Uh, just rest, man, because uh, for, for those who know, I'm still adjusting to that corporate life. And, well, I guess coming home to watch Pascal's return game against uh, Toronto. So maybe that's a narrative there that that's maybe true. one of us will go for. That is uh, true. But yeah, nothing any, any major. But I know you have uh, some plans. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we'll see how, how things end up going. But yes, yeah, a dinner <laughs> to go to. And then after that, come back and watch some games as well. It's like Christmas Day. You know, you, you everyone else is doing other things on Christmas. I'm there to be able to watch basketball all day. It's just more exciting to me. Obviously, this is falling on a Wednesday over here. So unfortunately, work life and everything else comes in between. But nothing comes in between a big DFS slate to be able to go ahead and jump right into and really get into the nitty gritty of what can always be really tough to make the kind of decisions that you want to look at as far as who are my spend ups going to be, uh, where's the value that I'm looking at. And really in these kind of slates with so many options, you're obviously looking for something with a little bit more upside because you're likely to need guys that do anywhere between six to seven X to really make it worth your while rather than, of course, the cash plays where you're hoping that they'll do five X or so and, and hoping to get you in a position where you can make a little bit more of a secure choice as far as that's concerned. But let's get right into the point guards themselves over here. And really, I'm going to give a bit of a spoiler ahead of all of this in that I have a bit of a a Twin Towers thing going on here today. So uh, I'm going to be having some of my spend ups coming out at the end of my end of my uh, picks over here in that uh, forward and center position. So where I did have to then look is more around the mid tier as far as my point guards are concerned. Now, that being said, uh, I don't think that there is anything wrong with looking at a spend up in someone like a, a Devin Booker in a matchup against Detroit, which should definitely be you know, a fast paced one. And for Booker himself, who has been on a pretty, uh, pretty solid hot streak as far as his uh, overall shooting is concerned. The only question is um, him also being on a back to back, whether that's going to be a, uh, a situation that uh, Phoenix may take the opportunity to be able to rest with him. 
So with that in mind, I'm jumping right into the uh, the mid-tier side of things and really starting off at the top over here with uh, Fred Van Vliet continuing to be out as far as the Houston Rockets is concerned. Uh, the guy who's really gotten the opportunity to show his uh, his skill set, getting that minutes total, and really showing his ability to stuff the statute across the board, and that's Amen Thompson. I know you and anyone else who's been listening up until now knows I love Osar, and he's definitely going to be in play for me too, but now the other brother is showing up on a consistent basis over here and sitting now all the way up to 38 minutes in that last game against the New York Knicks where he was able to get 40 DK points on here. And Really what makes uh, uh, Amen Thompson an exciting pick is his ability to be able to rack up a crazy amount of rebounds for a guy who's going to be playing that uh, point guard shooting guard position over there. Uh, almost a bit uh, Westbrook-like in what we've been seeing in the last four games where he's had three games over 11, with 11 rebounds and over and the other one also hitting nine rebounds in that. And on the other hand, still giving you some pretty solid uh, contributions across the assist side of things where he's averaging about five dimes in that time and also having the upside to be able to put up the kind of steals performance that he did against the New York Knicks, where he ended up with five. Now, of course, you're not uh, hoping for something like that, but he's showing that he can consistently get anywhere between one to two steals in a game, even when he's not necessarily shooting the lights out, which to his credit, he's keeping himself pretty efficient as far as scoring itself is concerned. And even if he's dropping, you know, 12, 13 points in that time, he's definitely giving you the supporting stats to be able to go ahead and make that a worthwhile pick for you. So talking about those guys that have that 6-7x upside, I think Amen Thompson in a matchup against the Memphis Grizzlies, which should be a bit of a uh, interesting battle of of I guess mid proportions over here you have a 217 total you have Houston Rockets favored to win by four so it should be a pretty close game with high minutes totals throughout and Amen Thompson should definitely get the opportunity to take advantage of that uh, secondly and this is a uh, more of an interesting opportunity to really take advantage of some um, I don't want to say out of whack pricing because he's definitely been making his way back since his uh, extended absence of a month and a half but Darius Garland who got himself all the way up to 31 minutes in that last game against Philadelphia is languishing all the way down to 6100 at this point which is easily his lowest price tag of the season coming off a game in which he ended up with 38 DK points going up against a Chicago team. That's definitely not going to be the most uh, healthy. We already know Zach Levine is out for an extended period. And in general, they've found themselves being a bit lacking as far as defense in general is concerned. But for Darius Garland, who's really starting to get his uh, shot totals and his game back to some sort of normalcy from uh, what we had seen before his extended absence has a, a pretty intriguing price tag here where he has the upside to be able to put up high 30s to low 40s in a matchup that should be a pretty good one for him. So uh, definitely one to keep a, a big eye on as far as his price tag is concerned and one that I'll probably find myself taking advantage of uh, pretty regularly in my different lineups here. Uh, another one kind of getting an advantage from uh, what could be a uh, hopefully short-term injury, but definitely looks like Jamal Murray is not going to be uh, playing on this uh, Wednesday matchup that's coming up against the uh, Sacramento Kings, which, uh, again, bit of a spoiler, leads into my uh, Twin Tower scenario a little bit later. But with Jamal Murray being doubtful, what you are likely going to see is a, a bit of a combination in which uh, both Reggie Jackson and Christian Braun uh, are, are going to be getting the opportunities to be able to play extended minutes. And especially for Reggie Jackson, who's likely going to be slotting into that uh, that starting point guard position. And we've seen earlier on in the season where he was able to get into the 30-plus uh, minutes 
in those opportunities where Jamal Murray was out, he put up great numbers in that time, ended up with uh, anywhere between 35 and up, and even had that monster uh, revenge game against the Clippers where he ended up with 60-60K points. So um, obviously the upside is there whenever he gets uh, the minutes and the opportunity, and he's definitely going to get that here in a Sacramento game that should be one of the uh, higher points totals of the Knights once uh, everything uh, ends up settling out over here. I think right now the early one has it uh, sitting at around uh, 230, which obviously not uh, blowing the roof off of you know some of those 248, 50-point games that we've been seeing uh, for the last uh, little bit with some of these matchups, but still a very, very good matchup for him to go ahead and uh, inflect some of that uh, DFS muscle that he does have. And then finally, uh, I guess you can say this is a value pick because he's right at that 5,000 mark, but it's uh, Trey Mann who's gotten that opportunity to start with the Charlotte Hornets at his salary of 5,000, has had two straight games of uh, 31 plus DK points on here, and that's with him not necessarily shooting all that well up until now. So 11 shots in both those games, pretty consistent, Uh, hasn't hit his three-pointer consistently as of yet, which we know he does have the upside to be able to do at a pretty regular basis, and we've seen that in uh, in previous seasons when he's got some of those starters minutes. So obviously showing his his chops as a as a passing man uh, as a starting point guard averaging eight assists over his last two games even getting a sneaky amount of rebounds on there so again that's 67x upside looking at that uh, value tier in Trey Mann. Interesting picks uh we didn't get a lot of similars but we did have one similar pick already uh but I did pick my superstar pick uh in the point guard position that was Jalen Brunson at 9300 uh, he's just a player who has been playing on an incredible basketball uh, for around 40 minutes. I think he's probably the main guy who has been carrying this team to like, competitive games. Uh, of course, they had a controversial call to end that game against uh, the Rockets. Uh, but overall, I mean, just amazing play and in, uh, it's an incredible season overall. And a 9,300 is expensive, but uh, I think against this Orlando team, what I've noticed that against almost any team, he still ends up getting his buckets, his his usage, his points, his shots. Uh, because, I mean, like I said, the team is depleted. They don't have OG. They don't have Julius Randle. I think Isaiah Harnstein is questionable. David Chenzo is questionable. So you really don't have an idea of who's going to play. But Jalen Brunson's been the one who has been able to play a healthy amount of minutes. Of course, Tom Thibodeau's system as well is, is definitely draining on your, your body. But Jalen Brunson has been playing absolutely insane. And I think he'll be able to continue that against Orlando, especially because Orlando will be playing on a back-to-back, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Uh, and then mid-tier pick, uh, I'm not going to speak too much about this, but you mentioned him, Darius Garland. Uh, I wasn't going to go for someone like Garland, but like you mentioned, at 6,100, uh, in a 12-game play, you're going to have to go for those picks where, I guess, catch people like by surprise. And I'll, I think Garland might have some of that ownership due to the fact that people thinking that because he's not having a, a great stretch of basketball, uh, coming back from injury, he's still been able to struggle to get into rhythm. Uh, but he had a great game uh, uh, recently at 38 DK fantasy points. And I think especially against the Chicago team, even though they have, I want to say, like a Caruso or Io, I think most of their attention will be towards uh, probably Adonovan Mitchell. So Garland still should be able to get into his rhythm, especially at a home game. Uh, and then hopefully just, I guess, exceed his value, uh, So which I think he's very capable of doing. Uh, and then budget-wise, I got two people here, and I got one with, uh, make sure I don't pronounce this wrong, Vasily Micic. Mm-hmm. I think he was the one who was traded from uh, the Thunder to the Hornets uh, in the Gordon Hayward trade. And he's had two games with the Hornets, both games played over 20 minutes. One of them, he 
didn't do too good against Indiana, but the one against Memphis, he had 32 DK fantasy points, 18 points, and nine assists. Uh, so in this game against Atlanta, I think he's pretty safe to at least get around 18 to 20 minutes, of course. Will he do anything exciting? I don't know, but he could be uh, a player who has like a solid stat line. Uh, but in the case that it's also a blowout, I think he still will get a good amount of run in uh, and then uh, perhaps even put up another similar stat line. Uh, but like I said, at 4,000, these are players you don't want to expect uh, crazy stat lines. But once again, like if you can continue to just have some solid games where he can get you a few buckets, a few assists, uh, then I think at 4,000, that's great value. And then I think one of my favorite budget picks uh, is probably this guy right here in Aaron Holiday at 3,600. Uh, you mentioned Fred VanVleet's absence, and you mentioned Eamon Thompson, who is getting a lot of playtime. Uh, well, Aaron Holiday is also in that uh, area because he's been playing, I want to think, averaging around 35 minutes in the past three games, averaging around 26 to 27 DK fantasy points in the past three games. Uh, and he's still only priced at 3,600. I mean, this is one of those guys who I think is a must-have, especially if you want to go for those high-end players, uh, because you know it's a guarantee he's going to get a good amount of minutes, especially against Memphis. Perhaps if Houston is a winning by a good margin, maybe he gets, you know, the free hand of just to kind of the score and just facilitate as much as he likes. Uh, so at 3,600, I just think that's a really great price to go for. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's a uh, some pretty interesting approaches to be able to go ahead and take. And similar to uh, what you mentioned with Michich, it's kind of that interesting scenario between him and Trey Mann and, uh, and who's going to end up kind of getting the uh, the usage and the minutes on a given night. So I think it's uh, it's one of those things where you want to potentially look at what your game script is looking like and both of them giving that uh, upside to be able to do some pretty good things for their price tags. Moving into the shooting guard side of things, and, and here keeping it a bit more simple with having a spend up, in my opinion, a mid-tier guy, and a value pick, which uh, I did like uh, as far as uh, some pretty good options over here. First of all, looking at the spend up side, and I'm looking right at uh, Brandon Ingram to be able to have another one of those games that he had against Washington earlier on in the season where he ended up dropping 40 actual points on Route 2 of 49 DK points. Now, we know that uh, Washington in general is not a matchup that uh, anyone is ever less than excited to be able to go forward to. I mean, with the Wizards themselves, I have had not only one of the worst defenses of the season, but also just altogether play at a pace that allows for some pretty high game totals as well. Obviously, the only concern that ever comes up with these things is a blowout in general. But uh, for uh, someone like a Brandon Ingram, who has shown the ability to be able to rack up stat lines in a hurry if he can get his shot going in, he really should have the ability to shoot over pretty much any defender that they're going to go ahead and throw on him over here should get another opportunity where even if he only plays about 30 minutes, similar to what he did last time against Washington, should still have the upside to be able to get uh, somewhere in the high 40s, if not a, a 50 DK point night here, just on the fact that he is going to have a uh, a likely excellent shooting night against a team that's really not going to be set to uh, defend him very well. At the same time, you also want to keep an eye out for uh, what uh, Zion's uh, entire health status is looking like because that's only going to help increase that uh, potential usage as far as Ingram himself is concerned. Now he is coming into uh, this game being questionable and frankly at this point uh, the Pelicans who are are going to be absolutely shocked if they don't come away with a win in this game uh, should be uh, potentially looking at a scenario in which they may want to uh, take the opportunity to rest Zion uh, coming into that uh, all-star break stretch and you know, giving him that little bit more time to uh, to go ahead and and heal up there. So we'll see uh, what that actually looks like uh, coming into that 14th game. But yeah, well, it's uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that 
you want to keep an eye out on that uh, DFS pass and that injury report to keep yourself up to date. But if I'm throwing a prediction out there, I think Zion's going to rest out this game and that gives Ingram a little bit more opportunity. Uh, moving into that uh, mid-tier option, and I kind of shake my fist every time I look at it because I'm so pissed that the 76ers were able to get this guy for absolutely nothing. And that's Buddy Heald, who is sitting at 6,300 for the uh, 76ers and in the three games that he's played with them so far, even on his first game where he had an eight of 21 shooting night, still ended up with 35 DK points there and hasn't had a single game below 44 DK points in the two games since where we're really starting to see his uh, shooting uh, come back into kind of the groove that we've uh, expected to see really from Buddy Heald in general, but his uh, role was very much up and down earlier in the season in Indiana. And he's finding himself with a lot more usage and a lot more, really freedom to be able to go ahead and operate for a team that absolutely is a benefiting from his capability to shoot from outside. And he gives you that upside to be able to rack up anywhere between eight to 10 three-point attempts uh, on a given night from outside. And given his shooting capabilities can easily find himself hitting four to six of those. So, you know, for a guy who has a great role now, as far as the amount of field goal attempts he's going to get, the minutes are secure. He hasn't played anything less than 36 since he has been traded over here. And of course, with uh, the 76ers missing out on Embiid, they want as much of a scoring punch as Buddy Heald can provide to them. And for him to keep doing it at the level he is now, I expect that'll continue. And uh, for a Miami team that's going to be missing Jimmy Butler, uh, is going to be uh, missing uh, Josh Richardson. There's a lot of perimeter defenders that are not going to be in place there. Terry Rozier as well. Uh, there's just a lot of opportunity for Buddy Heal to continue to take advantage of that. And I think this is going to be a smash pick at his uh, price tag over here. And we could see another 40, 40 point night coming his way. And then finally, looking into the value side of things, uh, going all the way down to 4,500. And again, it's, it's one of those where uh, he does have that capability to not necessarily have a big night on a game in game out basis. But if there's one thing that Jalen Suggs does have the advantage of is that he's got himself a very secure role as far as Orlando's concerned. He is their starting shooting guard, regardless of how things go with regards to Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony and their other uh, kind of point guard scenario over there. Suggs is that guy who's been a key perimeter defender for them is one of the best kind of swipers in the league, averaging nearly a steal and a half a game and has the capability to do what he did tonight uh, against uh, the Thunder, where he ended up dropping 17, seven and four in here. This Orlando's first national televised game in, I think it was 290 days. If I've gone ahead and uh, read that correctly, and it was Paolo Banqueros after his obviously all-star pick and all, which is awesome. Great for him. His first national TV game as well. And he responded with a 23, six and 10. So shout out to shout out to him, even if I'm not necessarily taking him on his, uh, his price over here, but Suggs, I do like for his 4,500 price tag gives you enough upside to be able to go ahead and take advantage of that and could end up with another uh, 30 plus night as far as his DK points are concerned. What is this free promo is going on out here? <laughs> the shouting out Paolo randomly. I'm like, Paolo's a powerful, no, like dual legitimate shooting. Uh, but so I didn't really go too high on this one. Uh, the thing about the Pelicans that always, I guess, scares me is that on one night they'll be the absolute monster that they could be. Uh, I think they had that type of night against the Clippers once, and then one time they'll have this horrible night where they just are like scared of the other team and like. Brandon Ingram was to have a quite nice, but like you said, if Zion's out, I think Brandon Ingram is definitely a good show. I decided to go for more in the mid-tier area. Uh, starting off with, I guess, Bradley Beal in the higher upper mid-tier, I want to say. Uh, not one of my favorite picks of this slate, but I would say to have definitely like a, 
have him in a couple of slates because he's kind of been a player who is honestly getting back to groove. Uh, I mean, in general, this whole Phoenix team is kind of getting back into the stage of where they should have been a while ago. But of course, injuries kind of derailed that. Uh, so as long as Bradley Bill continues to get these types of minutes, uh, it seems like times where he's, he's getting to 40, uh, getting over 45 DK fantasy points, especially in this matchup. Uh, maybe he can kind of take that lead and kind of have that game where he continues to stay in rhythm. Uh, because, of course, this Phoenix team scoring isn't the issue. Uh, even though Detroit can sometimes have one of those competitive games here and there, uh, I don't think this game will be difficult. I think Bradley Bill should be able to get his buckets and just have another one of those, uh, I want to say, you know, uh, I guess flashback field type game because, he, I mean, he hasn't been that same Bradley Bill that we've seen on that Washington Wizards yet. I want to say on a consistent basis at least. Uh, so I think against Detroit, we could probably see one of those games where he just has one of those monster nights. Uh, a bit cheaper than him at 6,600 is Devin Vassell. I know this is probably one of your favorite players because you you love going for him. Uh, but uh, he's also been on an incredible stature of basketball. Uh, I think, I don't know if their lineup, starting lineup still consists of uh, Trey Jones and such. Uh, I do know Kelvin Johnson still coming out the bench, so maybe that was the solution after all. Uh, and he's been playing some great basketball. I mean, especially against the Raptors at 43 DK fantasy points in 27 minutes, uh, where they absolutely destroyed us. Uh, but I mean, he's even in the games where they get destroyed, he's still been able to get you a lot of buckets, uh, getting into uh, some good form. Uh, so you're just hoping he can carry on with that uh, momentum against Dallas because Dallas, I still wouldn't consider them a, a great defensive team. Yeah, they have like you know Derek Jones Jr. and I think that's a that's about where the list off. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe Josh Green too, uh, but I think Devin Vassell should be able to still get his buckets, especially if he's being guarded by a Luca Kyrie, uh, especially due to height and just being much more quick. Uh, and another mid tier pick, I'm not gonna speak too much because you spoke uh, very well about him, and that was Buddy Hield. Uh, I mentioned Tom Thibodeau, a guy who likes to play a lot of people, uh, play his best players a lot of minutes, and Nick Nurse does as well because Buddy Hield's been playing around like 40 minutes as soon as he got traded. Uh, of course, their roster is a bit depleted, but I also think because of his shooting, uh, he's just really needed on that team. Uh, and you, you said it right. Sometimes he'll have these games where he's he has like these three-point attempts where he's t- touching like eight three-point attempts or 12. Uh, so especially against this Miami team, I think those shot attempts will definitely not change, uh, especially because uh, I want to say Maxi's kind of been struggling. Uh, so hopefully Buddy Hill can continue this momentum at 6300 it's kind of a safe price, uh, but he will have a lot of ownership, I feel like. I feel like everyone's probably going to think about the same thing. But overall, I still think it's a really great pick to go for. Uh, and then budget-wise, I decided to go with Grady Dick at 3300 because I think maybe I keep on saying this every game, but like there's got to be a game where they go like, all right, Trent, you're playing trash, so we're going to just start Gary, uh, Grady Dick. And just play him around 30 minutes because, I mean, I don't know what we're playing for here. We're getting slapped by one of the worst teams in the league. And Ray Dick still only played 22 minutes. But he still ended up getting 22 DK fantasy points. Uh, he's been much more efficient from three uh, in these past, I want to say past weeks, actually. Uh, which is just good to see. So I think uh, against this Indiana team where it might be a high-scoring game because, I mean, the Raptors who had that defensive identity don't longer no longer have that. Uh, and Indiana, we already know the story about them in terms of defense. So I think if this game is a blowout, Grady Dick will still have a heavy amount of minutes played. And if it's not, I still think he's still a rotation piece that's going to come off for 20 to 25 minutes. And this will probably get a lot of shot opportunities. 
Yeah, fair enough. Well, uh, the less said about that Spurs game, the better. I don't want to have to think about that. Blocks triple-double game, just an embarrassing, embarrassing performance as far as Toronto is concerned. But, hey, allowed uh, Wemby to make some history and uh, allowed Toronto fans at home to at least see a little bit of the beast that he is obviously going to become. So I guess there's a, a silver lining in every uh, every butt-kicking that there is. Yeah, the Raptor fans just have very little to uh, be happy about as of, as of late. Moving on to the small forward side as of now, and really going back to that, uh, that mid-tier yet again, to really start to look at um, some of the interesting value picks over here. Again, speaking back about uh, the fact that uh, Jamal Murray is going to be out for this game, what that is going to mean is pure shot attempts. And if there's one thing that absolutely infuriates me uh, as far as uh, Denver is concerned is the times that Michael Porter Jr. decides to be a passive little bum and just sit in the corner for the entirety of the game and do absolutely nothing. While on the other side, he'll find games like against the Lakers where he just jeers himself up for it and decides to put up 20 shot attempts and obviously just looks so much more engaged with what's going on over here. Now, after that uh, pretty uh, comfortable, well, not even comfortable loss, pretty embarrassing loss as far as uh, Denver's concerned for how, what's going on. They shouldn't have lost by 17 to the uh, Milwaukee Bucks over there, but they did. And it uh, obviously is you know, putting a pretty interesting little spin as far as that top four in the West is concerned, because the top of you know these matchup situation and all of it is going to start to become something uh, of importance as we get later on into the season itself, given uh, what we're actually seeing as far as these matchups are concerned. And, you know, Denver is still obviously the favorites to come into it, and they've been playing well overall. But uh, Michael Porter Jr. for his side has been a bit up and down as far as his actual uh, his actual usage and his actual performances are concerned. I do expect this to be a good match for him to get back into some sort of groove over here. Uh, he's going to be required to put up anywhere between 15 to 20 shots in this game. They can't have him be passive once again. And uh, for what uh, the uh, Denver Nuggets have had to feel over the last uh, last couple of performances where they haven't done all that well, they will be looking to get themselves back on track as far as a, a good Sacramento team and a good matchup in general should allow them to do. So if there's anything that can get him going and uh, get a little bit more offense out of uh, out of MPJ, I expect this is a matchup to allow him to do that. So 6200 gives you that upside, obviously, to be able to get into the 40s as far as DK points are concerned. Uh, definitely someone who I'm going to be targeting pretty heavily and hoping that he rewards me with some of that uh, performance to come back with it. Uh, moving into uh, some of that uh, that value that we're talking about, and this is going to be a bit of a, uh, a duo pick over here, and it's going to be, again, related to that uh, Detroit Pistons team where we're obviously seeing a lot of kind of flux as far as uh, rotations are concerned. But if uh, there's one thing that we're obviously seeing, going back to talked about one brother, Osar Thompson is the other brother that I'm going to talk about here, and then also Santino Fontecchio, who's been getting a consistent bout of minutes uh, since he's uh, gotten traded over here as well, got all the way up to 19 shot attempts in that first game. But really, if there's one thing that Detroit, I mean, there's forget one thing, they're missing a lot of things. But if there's one thing that they're absolutely missing is someone to be able to rely on from outside. And, and Fontecchio, given his age, uh, obviously a second year in, in the league, has shown a good bit of upside to be able to play with uh, with good teams, with that Utah team early on in the season, and really showing his chops to be able to get into the starting lineup over there, is someone that Detroit can kind of see what they can build with uh, going forward. They obviously have a lot of good pieces it's really going to be whether they can leverage them in the right way and get some sort of rhythm going. And I expect Fontecchio is going to be one of those guys who uh, gets the uh, gets the opportunity. And by the way, 
I'm obviously in a wrestling mood because I don't know why I said Santino when his name is Simone Fontecchio. Clearly, it's one of those things. This is a side story we could talk about at a different time, but uh, a friend of mine who is uh, involved with uh, with wrestling gets to uh, gets to practice and train at the uh, at the Santino Morella gym. So it's obviously just something in my mind that just goes back and forth. But Simone Fontecchio is the other pick alongside Osar Thompson for that uh, mid-tier end value pick, where I think both of them have that upside to be able to rack up a uh, 6x night on a situation where they both should be getting somewhere close to 30 minutes and having that opportunity in a matchup that uh, should actually be a pretty fast-paced one against Phoenix. And I know it's not uh, necessarily the greatest matchup from a a spread perspective or any of that, but really Detroit should be expecting to get... uh, in a blowout-like scenario, pretty much on a game-by-game basis. What I'm more interested in is the uh, minutes rotation in general, and we've seen that Detroit is getting better on making that a little bit more uh, repeatable and uh, something that you can potentially expect a level of consistency from. And, and I think both uh, Osar and uh, Fontecchio should have the benefit of that. Uh, I ain't gonna lie, you got away with the Centino part because even I thought his name was something like that because <laughs> I don't. No one really pays attention to that guy, so. Uh... I think you might have uh, gotten away with that. But uh, another thing, did you say Twin Towers with Asar yep. Thompson? And, no, no, oh I didn't get goodness. it. I, didn't, I haven't got to my Twin Towers yet. Okay. I thought you said <laughs> that about Asar Fontesian uh, or something. Uh, <laughs> uh, my small fours, I didn't go too high tier. I think uh, I think roughly mid-tier areas where I went. Uh, I guess upper mid-tier, I decided to go with Franz Wagner. Uh, he was one of my favorite players to end off DFS last season. Uh, and also one of my favorites in the beginning of the season because he was playing some great basketball. And it looks like he's kind of back into that form. Uh, I mean, him and Paolo are both playing amazing, like you mentioned. Uh, but he's just been a player who I think uh, he's come back and he's kind of been doing what he was doing previously, which has just been stacking up the stat sheet. I mean, there's games where he's had like over 30, 30 points like three times in the last four games. Uh, but in general, like in a normal game, I don't say he gets around 20 plus points. He'll get you a few rebounds, a few assists, uh, sometimes a, a couple of stocks and then some efficient basketball, too. Uh, like this last game, he had 12 for 22 on 12 three point attempts. He had hit five. Uh, so he's been really aggressive I'm in scoring, too. I guess it also makes sense because Orlando has dropped a lot of player positions due to his injury. Uh, so I think uh, especially against this game against New York. Uh, I think Orlando does have a lot of height on them. Uh, so I think Franz Wagner and Paolo should probably be able to get to their spot still. But Franz Wagner is just incre- uh, incredible basketball and uh, one, probably one of my favorite picks after Scotty in terms of that draft. Uh, and then uh, another one of my mid-tier picks is at 5,900. That's Bogdanovich, uh, Bojan Bogdanovich, actually the guy going against Orlando. But this is a pick who I know he hasn't quite hit the stride yet in New York. Uh, but due to the absence of a lot of players, and I think, uh, like I mentioned, the height disadvantage for New York, I think they're going to need some scoring. And I don't know if Josh Hart might be the play at the power forward position against these guys. Uh, but Bogdanovich, as long as he can get a few uh, a few rhythm going in the first few quarters, I think he should have a, a great night. 5900 is a pretty solid price because we've known Bogdanovich to be a player who can kind of heat up and have one of those uh, solid scoring nights. And especially because, like I mentioned, Julius Randle, no OG, uh, they're going to need some scoring. And Jalen Brunson can't do all of it. So you're going to expect people like Bogdanovich to have an impact in terms of that side of the game. Uh, and last but not least, the guy you mentioned, uh, Asar Thompson. Uh, 
another one of those picks that I really like at 5,000. And that's mainly due to the fact that I think he's pretty a, a safe and high upside pick. I think he covers both scenarios in, the, in, this, in the sense that if it is a competitive game, he's going to be playing. And if it is a blowout, he's going to be playing. So I think uh, uh, Star Thompson, of course, as long as he can score a few buckets, his stat line is going to be amazing. But if he does have one of those struggles, I think you should still be fine and be able to at least retain your value uh, because he still will have an impact in the game uh, in terms of just other uh, uh, stats, in terms of rebounds or uh, stocks, of course. Uh, so 5000 I think, is a pretty solid price to go for. Yeah, fair enough. I think you already uh, kind of got a bit ahead of me as far as uh, Josh Hart's concerned, because I do think he's going to be a great power forward pick, and we'll we'll get into that. But uh, definitely some interesting ways to be able to go ahead and do that. And I'm glad we're on the same board as far as the uh, Thompson twins are concerned, even though it's not my twin towers. But I do like uh, <laughs> how, it's, uh, how it's going about over here. Moving on into the power forward side of things. And like I said, you may have noticed up until now that really the most expensive pick I'd given uh, was that uh, Brandon Ingram one at 8,100. We're going to still stick with that uh, at the 8,100 mark over here so that I can have a little bit of potential budget saved over. But Jaron Jackson Jr. in this matchup against Houston should be really licking his lips. This is one of his favorite matchups as far as uh, as far as far uh, an opposition team is concerned. Consistently is around his highest DK point nights as far as the season is concerned. And this season has been really no different. He's already faced Houston three times in the year, averaging almost 46 DK points in the three games that he has gone up against them and had some of his, uh, bigger nights in the season against these guys too. And that's with the fact that he had a, a bit of a, a dud kind of earlier on as well. So it's just, uh, it's just one of those ones where he just finds his range as far as uh, pure shooting is concerned. And he always, always ends up with a, a big block nights in these kind as well. So, for him uh, to be able to uh, come into this one sitting at 8,100 in a matchup where uh, Memphis will obviously be trying to not only uh, get a little bit of a consolation win for everything as far as the season itself is concerned, but for Jaron Jackson to continue on his uh, his pretty recent stretch of some pretty good shooting, but uh, a little bit of a up and down uh, up and down year as far as his uh, supporting stats are concerned. Um, I'm hoping that he can get more of his uh, rebounds to be alongside that uh, six plus rather than those uh, weird nights where he ends up averaging like two or three rebounds and it just makes very little sense, even though his shot attempts are always going to be there. It just needs to be one of those where he has to be a lot more aggressive on the boards. And I think in this kind of a matchup where he goes up against Sangoon, it just will get his juices flowing to be able to do a little bit of that. So 8,100 is one of those uh, spend ups that I am willing to put uh, down as far as Jaron Jackson is concerned. Uh, I know you're going to talk about Pascal, so I'm going to leave it a little bit over here potentially, but 7,900 in a revenge matchup, a team that he said that he wanted to stay long-term with. They decided to be able to go ahead and make the move and uh, go into a full-on rebuild over here. And and uh, to Siakam's credit, he has gone ahead and uh, really kind of found his role as far as Indiana's concerned very quickly over there. Uh, not necessarily looking to be that, uh, that primary scorer. Obviously, that is a Halliburton's role alongside kind of doing a bit of everything else. But he's just slotted in very nicely in terms of what, uh, what things are looking at. So uh, I do think he'll be a little bit more aggressive on offense in this game here just to get a little bit going. And also the Toronto fans are going to be showing him an incredible amount of love no doubt for all that he's done there. So I expect that he will try to put on a show for his, uh, for his fans there as well. And then as far as uh, some of those uh, mid-tier picks uh, and uh, going into value is concerned, I do think Jalen Johnson at 7,300 is going to be another, a great opportunity to have a potential six X night over here. Charlotte is 
again, much like Washington, the team you want to face if you're on any sort of a slump or have had any sort of a bad game, because you will get all the opportunity in the world to be able to go ahead and turn that around. And for Jalen Johnson, who's been uh, one of the more impressive players in the year, should absolutely be in uh, some of the top running for most improved is going to have another chance here to be able to drop uh, a 40 plus DK point night here against the Charlotte Hornets in an away game where hopefully Charlotte can be a little bit more pesky and, and, and stick around though. Really it's going to depend on how much uh, a certain bridges can, can go ahead and, and keep things alive on the other end. So maybe for those who are uh, going in for Jalen Johnson may want to uh, spend that money and go for someone like a, a miles bridges for 8,800 though. I'm not necessarily going uh, that route, even though he has been playing uh, really, really well over the last couple of games. Uh, I will spend a little bit of time on on Josh Hart because he has definitely been one of the biggest beneficiaries of uh, not only the time that Isaiah Hartenstein's been out, but also with uh, with OG sitting out as well. He has now had two out of his last three games where he has absolutely just killed it for his price tag reaching the heights of 60 DK points in a matchup against the Dallas Mavericks where he dropped a triple double on there. And I mean, Josh Hart is one of my favorite real life players. I just think he's the right kind of fit on pretty much any type of team. It's the perfect glue guy. And he gets just into it to be able to go ahead and get, uh, get out of position rebounds for his position and continues to be one of the best small forward slash power forward rebounders in the league. And he's once again, averaging over seven rebounds this year as well. And has now had, uh, now that I'm looking back at it, I believe I want to say eight games in a row where he's had 10 rebounds or more, which is pretty insane uh, given uh, given his size and uh, given you know really what he is going up against on a night in night out basis. So you know, kudos to him for having the basketball IQ and the wherewithal to be in the right positions to be able to get the rebounds and and really uh, take advantage of uh, what uh, his uh, time is offering him. And obviously. The Knicks love it because they're giving him the minutes uh, to be able to go ahead and do that. Hasn't had a game uh, below 37 minutes now uh, all the way back until uh, January 27th. So I expect we're going to see uh, more of that over here. And he should also be in the mix to be able to drop a uh, anywhere between a 35 to a 40 DK point night here. And, and I do end up liking him. Uh, finally, as far as uh, value is concerned, and uh, I'm kind of keeping an eye out in terms of what uh, Miami's uh roster and everything looks like given that they're going to be on a back-to-back and they are uh, and they did uh, end up playing tonight but what we did see is that Jaime Jaquez did get 27 minutes didn't necessarily have the uh, the biggest night on the on the floor ending up with just a 12 3 and 4 but those minutes are going to be something that's going to stay with him until uh, the uh, heat get uh, back totally healthy and I expect that gives him the upside to be able to get into the 30s so something to uh, potentially consider if you're looking for a good value pick that should have a pretty safe floor. Interesting picks. I think you already knew about one of them, which was uh, Siakam, of course. Uh, didn't mention him early on, especially as a narrative game. I think he fits in the slot at 7,900. Uh, overall, just he's – he hasn't – I mean, like you said, he has fit in, uh, but he obviously hasn't been putting up his all-NBA numbers like he has before. But coming to Toronto, I think he's going to have that extra motivation to just have one of those uh, performances, uh, especially just to show out against, uh, you know, the front office and say that you made a mistake trading me. Uh, but like you said, he probably will feel at home too, because he's played here for his whole career, essentially. Uh, I mean, he has played here for his whole career. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, I think at 7900, it's also like a really this great price to kind of where you have that, like, it's not like a crazy price where I want to say you're going to be risking a lot uh, because 7900 is, is cheap. And especially because in the case that it looks like Halliburton, we don't know if he's going to play or not. Uh, so it might be a lot more pressure on Siakam in terms of scoring the ball. 
Uh, so that's going to be a definitely interesting take. And like you mentioned, that's where you got to get the defense pass to keep up. Uh, and then uh, a bit cheaper than him. Uh, another player you mentioned, and that was Jalen Johnson at 7,300. Uh, it's just a player who continues to just, just kind of do uh, everything that the Hawks ask him to do. Uh, I think especially in this type of matchup where Clint Capella and Anya Kakongu are both out, I think uh, the option would be Bruno Fernando to play center. But I think in this type of matchup, I think Jalen Johnson might be playing some center minutes, uh, preferably to just kind of get a, be much more quick. Uh, especially against Charlotte, where they don't have Mark Williams, and it's going to be either Nick Richards. I think this might be one of those matches where you don't see a lot of centers. So I think you mentioned it as well. If you want to spend up, Miles Bridges might not be a bad shout, considering he might be playing center as well. So I think uh, this would be a really fast-paced game. Uh, and Jalen Johnson playing center minutes would probably just allow him to get a lot more rebounds and just allow more uh, for more freedom to just kind of be playing that quick environment. Uh, and then... Uh, and a bit on the lower end side, a former Hornet, uh, P.J. Washington for Dallas. Uh, another player who hasn't hit the, the wheels yet in terms of being traded. Uh, he's actually had some pretty horrible games, I want to say, in terms of uh, shooting-wise. Uh, 4 for 11, uh, 0 for 5 from 3 in his last matchup against Washington, which is the matchup you said that, you know, when you, you want to get out of a slump, you should face them. Uh, but he got into a slump facing them. So especially against the Spurs, uh, I, the reason I like this one is because I don't, I mean, like you said, right, you said in the beginning, you want to go for these players who have upside and who don't have a lot of attention towards them. Uh, so perhaps P.J. Washington might, you might be able to get away with him and because he has been on this horrible, like inefficient uh, stride, right, stride right now. Uh, so I think at 5,500, it's a player who with low ownership, you might have a chance to kind of just get a player who might have one of those great games uh, and kind of get into form against the Spurs. Uh, and last but not least, uh, budget pick uh, was Bruce Brown at 4,500. Uh, this is a, a pretty risky pick, I would say, because obviously we don't know the direction of what the Raptors are, are doing in terms of uh, do they want to tank? Do they still want to have some competitive games? Uh, but I think Bruce Brown has, coming off the bench, I think he's had these games where he can sometimes get you run 20-plus DK fantasy points. He hasn't. Uh, I want to say kind of gotten uncomfortable yet, but that's where I'm like, you know, it hasn't been uh, quite communicated what direction we're going with. But this past game against the Spurs, he kind of did have a bounce back game. I want to say where he had 26 DK fantasy points. Uh, he had a three, had a few assists, a few rebounds, and like, you know, double digit points, which is kind of what you expect from a Bruce Brown performance. So I think in this game against Indiana, where I think if Bruce Brown strives the most in terms of right on his Toronto team would probably be in transition. Uh, so I think uh, this matchup might actually benefit him in terms of having a better night than uh, his other ones because there's times where he's, I think, that match against Cleveland, he had four DK fantasy points. So I think Bruce Brown in general, this would be a solid player to go for because of his versatility because I think you'll probably see him playing a uh, backup point guard as well. And another one of those picks who I think will have low ownership. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's interesting and really exactly what you said. It comes down to having scenarios in which there is those points of difference, especially given how many potential options there are over here. You want to have that guy who will likely even the most owned of players won't be just absolutely crushing it in terms of ownership percentage just because of how many options there are available. But 
everyone loves having that guy who only has been owned by less than a percent. And every time that he does something, you find yourself just shooting up the, uh, the standings over there. There's few things less exciting in DFS than that. And having, uh, having some of those guys that you mentioned, uh, could definitely put you into that sort of a train, but moving right on into the last position, which is our centers. And I do get to talk about once again, that Sacramento and Denver game where my two centers I'm going up against each other. That's that's where that Twin Towers is coming from. Both Sabonis and Jokic are going to be my spend-ups for uh, this slate over here. And l- let me go ahead and, uh, and give a little bit of a uh, context over here. For, for Denver, coming into this game, having had two back-to-back blowout losses, especially the one against Sacramento earlier on in the week where they lost by 29 points, Jokic is not going to be taken that lightly. I'm telling you now, Jokic is the, the kind of guy who's going to want some revenge on the Sacramento Kings for having a matchup like that and having a performance like that. And for him to come in into this where he's going to be required to be that much more aggressive on offense with uh, with uh, Jamal Murray sitting out in this game, I ex- I am expecting a monster performance here. Like I'm talking his uh, his vintage high 70, low 80s DK points on here, and, and I'm telling you, Jokic is going to be in a position to be able to go ahead and do that. I expect that he is, uh, as he often is, but I, I definitely expect it over here for him to be the highest uh, point scorer on the night, and I want my budget to be able to work around to have that in my lineup there. And if I'm putting Jokic there, I'm definitely running it back with uh, one of the most consistent bigs that has been going on for uh, this entire like New Year stretch. He's uh, been pretty much averaging a triple-double since the time the, the season turned around into the new year of 2024. And that's Sabonis, who is sitting at a, a flat 10,000 over here. Uh, obviously had a monster game against that uh, against the Denver team in just 31 minutes, where he ended up with another triple-double and 58 DK points in that one as well. And they're definitely running pretty much everything uh, through him at this point. Uh, I mean, obviously Darren Fox is, uh, is who he is and he's obviously going to be that closer for the Sacramento Kings down the stretch, but really it's been Sabonis that has been just leading the charge as far as uh, the Kings offense is concerned and really all the creation that's happening. So uh, for a guy who, Probably feels pretty snubbed to not have a chance in the All-Star game this year. Uh, I do think Sabonis is going to be a a guy who's going to just put up another big night over here as we have a pretty exciting matchup coming into it. So, you know, if there's one thing we know about uh, Sacramento games is that they're consistently some of the highest uh, point totals on any given night uh, as far as the uh, games themselves are concerned. And funny enough, as I say that, we're reaching about the uh, the halfway mark of that uh, Sacramento-Phoenix game where, in fact... Seven minutes left in the second quarter, and both teams are already past 50. So it's uh, absolutely insane, uh, the kind of game totals that we get with Sacramento. And I expect that in this Denver game, where even though they'll be shorthanded, they will be at uh, one of the biggest advantages, which is at home in Denver, that uh, altitude and everything else that gives them a huge advantage no matter when they uh, are playing, no matter how good their team usually is. So I expect that uh, Denver will be coming with a big uh, big comeback over here, and uh, both Jokic and Sabonis will be at the absolute uh, apex of it when they go against each other. Moving into uh, uh, some of the uh, potential value picks that uh, could also uh, come into play over here. And uh, this is uh, with the fact that the dual eligibility is helpful. So since my one center slot and my one utility slot is likely going to be taken up by the two bigs I'm talking about here. But to Evan Mobley, who has uh, quietly been uh, racking up some uh, pretty decent stat lines over the last uh, over the last week and a half, despite uh, still playing uh, slightly less than 30 minutes. 
though we know that that, uh, that minutes restriction is starting to kind of ease itself up and we expect that his minutes total are going to get closer to that 30-minute uh, mark as we go on here. So uh, for a guy at 6,900, again, coming up against a, a Chicago matchup where uh, not only are, are Cleveland at home and, and likely to be in a good position to do well here, but also uh, you do get a little bit more involvement from the bigs given that you have Vucevic on the other side there and, and probably a little bit of, uh, of Drummond as well, depending on what uh, Chicago throw out there. But uh, both Evan Mobley and Jared Allen should have a, a pretty productive night as far as being on the floor for that period. Uh, neither teams are incredibly efficient as far as offense is concerned. So a lot of rebounds are usually on um, on uh, value and available here. And for Mobley, who's had uh, three straight double doubles and uh, double doubles in uh, five of his last uh, six games here, should find himself in a scenario to be able to do that pretty comfortably here and and uh, get into a position where he can be high 30s to uh, 40 DK points for a uh, 6900 price tag. And then finally, jumping all the way down to value and uh, going back to something you mentioned earlier about uh, the Raptors being in a bit of a state of flux as far as their rotations concerned. But one guy who has uh, sneakily been doing some pretty good things since he's come on to the Toronto Raptors was Kelly Olynyk, And, you know, again, it kind of ticks me off because I wanted Olynyk to be on the Raptors for a little while now as far as a very solid uh, backup piece that we could have used when we were really in a, in a better scenario here. But he's uh, showing in just the two games that he's played so far that he has that versatility to be able to put up a incredibly varied stat line only needs to play about mid 20 minutes to be able to get himself into that uh, 30 DK point mark. And he's done that in two straight games at this point, despite never playing more than uh, 22 minutes in any of that time. So I expect that, uh, you know, given that the Raptors are obviously playing for lottery balls and also just playing for what their uh, future is going to look like. I think Kelly Olenek is going to be an important part of that as a, uh, as a versatile kind of backup big, a guy who can uh, give you points in a bunch of different ways while also having the capability of getting a, a couple of dimes and actually running a little bit of, uh, of offense through him on, on like dribble handoffs and a couple of other things. So 4,800, a good price tag to be able to get 30 plus over here, definitely in play as far as GPP is concerned and uh, gives you that once again, that opportunity to be able to get 6x. I like how you uh, you just avoided the decision of Sabonis versus Jokic and just went with both of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, I can't blame you because uh, I think this is going to be a, a, one of those interesting matchups as well because with no potentially no Jamal Murray, I think Jokic, once again, probably going to be the playmaker, scorer, and rebounder of the team. And Sabonis had a great performance last game. But I think the thing that worries me is probably is the, maybe if Sabonis playing on the back-to-back might get tired. Uh, but that is still going to be a great matchup to watch. Uh, of course, that's where you're probably going to be watching after your dinner, I'm guessing. Uh, my center that pick I decided to go where it was someone that you mentioned that power for actually was Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, 8,100. Uh, I mean, he has dual eligibility. And like you said, he's had great performance against Houston. Uh, and on top of that, just in the past three games, I've noticed he's been averaging around 20 to 21 uh, DK, uh, not DK, uh, shot attempts. Uh, which is, if anything, shows you that there's a lot of upside in this type of pick because he could have one of those performances where he's hitting his shots and he's uh, defending well. Uh, I don't think Desmond Bain is back yet, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but So I think a lot of pressure does reside on uh, Jaren Jackson here. Uh, mid-tier-wise, I decided to go with Miles Turner at 6,400. Uh, this is a player who I think is uh, another player who, like you said, Siakam has been able to fit. I think Miles Turner has been... Absolutely amazing alongside Siakam. Uh, and he's had some of these great games where he can score double digits and he's been having a few stocks uh, and efficient as well, I want to say, from the, the field. 
so I think at 6,400, this Toronto team can tend to struggle sometimes with, with big men. Uh, of course, Jacopo will have these games where he absolutely clamps up someone like uh, Sengun against the Rockets, but sometimes you'll have these, you know, not not so good performances. Uh, so Miles Turner in this match, I think would be a really solid match, uh, solid player to kind of just have those great uh, nights in terms of getting a high block teams. I mean, you mentioned as well, Wemby had 10 blocks against this Raptors team. So hopefully Turner could have uh, another great night. Uh, and then uh, I did think about Mobley. But I was I was a bit worried about the Chicago Bulls Twin Towers. Uh, of course, they just like to run Vucevic and Drummond together when facing a big team. I think they did that against Minnesota and ended up winning. So I think Moby should definitely watch out. Uh, but my my last pick was Walker Kessler at five thousand uh, against the Lakers. Uh, Lakers are gonna be playing on a back to back, so I think you're gonna have to probably wait out to see. I get man, yeah, you don't really have to wait out because I think Walker Kessler will play regardless. Uh, and he's had a great uh, couple back-to-back great 35 DK average games, uh, especially those games they did lose by like 15 or like 20 points. Uh, so I think this would be an interesting matchup against the Lakers. I think he would have some run in. Uh, like I said, with the Lakers, you don't know if they're going to rest. Probably LeBron on a back-to-back. I don't think it's nationally televised, so he doesn't have to play. Uh, so this would be an interesting matchup to see in terms of injury. But I think Walker Kessler, regardless, of who plays or not, we'll have a we'll have a solid night and just probably kind of hopefully I want to say get back to that strive. I think you you mean you both remember really well when Walker Kessler was on that insane run last year, uh, and he was cheap price. So I'm hoping he can kind of have kind of get back onto that form, uh, and that'd be incredible for his price at five thousand. I love it. Yeah, like like I said, Walker Kessler is just one of those guys that can always have those. Uh, those monster block nights that just makes everything else uh, just fine and dandy. And he's going to be able to get into the uh, high thirties as far as the DK points are concerned. But that's, uh, that's kind of the risk you run with him when he's not necessarily having uh, some of those big nights over there. The rest of it just kind of falls off. So that's why, that's why you take him in GPP. And that's also why you've been listening to us for the last uh, 53 minutes. Uh, go into a lot of different ways uh, to be able to attack what is always a monster 12-game uh, slate. So want to give you as many different potential options that you can look at, how you can uh, potentially build up your lineup, and really the areas of focus when you're really starting to get yourself away from what can be a pretty uh, difficult and daunting task of trying to narrow yourself down into uh, what you're kind of building up as the core of your lineup and kind of building up those support pieces around it. So, you know, I hope this, uh, this helps from that perspective and uh, I love hearing your thoughts in terms of what uh, your approaches are, how you're taking on some of these bigger slates and who are some of the spend ups that you are thinking are going to be the ones to send you to the promised land of taking down yet another GPP. So hit me up on Twitter, on Instagram at HK underscore devil. Talk to me through your process and uh, exactly what we could potentially do to uh, have ourselves a great night over here. Ramiz, where can the good people find you? Uh, they can find me at Twitter at two nice. That's spelled T O zero underscore nice underscore. And uh, we can talk about how bad the rappers have been. <laughs> I don't think anyone wants that. At this point, just let the season die. Honestly, as a season ticket holder, I am very, very <laughs> close to just being like, all right, next year I'm going to park my tickets. I'm going to take the uh, take the year off and uh, chill out and hope that we can come back to something better because everyone is uh, a little bit annoyed with how things are going. And you know, as much as you're hoping Scotty develops into something big, got its great all-star appearance, and I'm hoping for big things there, uh, the support pieces just uh, just aren't it at the moment. 
But that does bring us to the end of this podcast over here. So definitely keep following us on all of the different uh, platforms where you are listening to the content and get yourself once again subscribed to that DFS pass on Sports Ethos so you can keep yourself up to date with all of the latest injuries, all the latest news, and of course that sweet access to the Discord side to ask the pros. But until then... We'll catch you on the next one. Uh, Ramiz, uh, before we want to go, I know with the 12 game, we get uh, a lot to be able to look at. But uh, what are you looking at as far as head to head is concerned here? And uh, I believe uh, who ended up winning last time around? They didn't actually uh, go back and follow now that I think about it. It was the Harden Scotty Barnes match. Yeah. Harden won. Yeah. Yeah, he did. I just wanted you to say it. I, I absolutely knew what it was. <laughs> but yep, Harden pulled it out. So, I mean, at this point, uh, it, it's clear um, that, uh, you know, this beard is growing out a little bit longer than uh, than what you've gotten on your end. But who are you thinking this time around? What are we looking at as far as a I'm head-to-head matchup? taking the Jalen Brunson versus center matchup. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let me see. You had some high mid-tier picks, right? Let me mm. see. Uh, how about this? How, how, about, how about Ingram versus Siakam? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. You can do that one. All right. I like it. So I'll take Ingram. You got Siakam coming through. And let's uh, let's see if Siakam's... Uh, I don't even want to call it a revenge game because it makes me feel sad. But yeah, Siakam's return to Toronto is going to be one that uh, yeah. leads you to the promised land as far as this head-to-head is concerned. About a DM sound to play tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Say that now, and now Ingram's going to drop 60, and I'm just going to be like, look, man, I, I, at this point, it's just not your year. What do you want me to say? Well, that's, that well, we'll have to keep an eye out and see how it goes. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to that Sacramento-Denver game personally. I think that'll be an exciting matchup, even without, unfortunately, Jamal Murray being there. But uh, we'll see you guys at the next one. Let's take down some more GPPs.